Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. I am CD Danny Mac, and for the first time ever, I'm bringing the show to you from New York City. That's right, the heart of Times Square, Threshold Studios. It's been an unbelievable experience here tonight so far. We watched the takeover spectacle that was War Games. And for my guest host this time, I'm brought to you by the same man who brings you the kick-ass intro every single week. My man from TakeOver Chicago, DRJ. Dave, it's nice to have you on the show, man. What a show. Hey, yeah, great show. Thank you for having me. What a pay-per-view, TakeOver events. I'm not going to insult it by calling it a pay-per-view. NXT, TakeOver War Games from Houston. Absolutely a spectacle of an event from beginning to end, man. This was absolute carnage across the board. Absolutely. I mean, going from the first match from Casha Sona to Lars Sullivan, the women's match, Velveteen Dream, and I mean, we can't even begin to talk about the match that brought it all together, War Games. The title match, main event, a rightful so main event, but let's go into that first match you did mention. Lars Sullivan, the Leviathan of NXT, takes on the knockout artist, Cassius Ono. This was the most recent match added to TakeOver, but it's also the match that went on first, and both these guys came out swinging as expected. An early advantage by Lars, and Sullivan definitely showing off some weapons in his arsenal I did not expect to see. The man is nimble, the man is agile, he was diving off the apron, he was diving off the top rope. Dave, it's like this guy's a multifaceted athlete. Definitely unexpected out of Lars tonight. You know, that's a really great point, and seeing that, that agility that he had, that shoulder, shoulder block off of the apron, I mean, the agility that this man had was undeniable, especially for somebody his size. To see him go up again on the top rope, jump off, I was I was blown away. That's a lot amazed. of weight crashing down on you for sure. Cassius Ono definitely taken by surprise. The early advantage on this match was definitely in Lars's corner. Lars with an absolute display of strength and resilience. It took. <clears throat> A long, long time for Cassius Ono to get in some decent strikes and even to knock down the man. It took a huge rally by Cassius Ono to expose the vulnerable Lars and to make him almost almost human. But let's not take anything away from Cassius Ono. I mean, the man put up a good fight. I mean, he really did almost get a three count. At one point, he had him for a two count. And I think, if I'm wrong, if I'm not wrong, correct me, that's the first person to... Have even gotten Lars in that position where he could get him to a two count. On the ground, near fall, two things you do not see often in a Lars-Sullivan matchup. You are absolutely correct. That rally by Cassius Ono, locking up, nailing strikes, hitting that discus elbow, but it was not enough to put away Lars. Lars would yell at Cassius Ono, just absorb the punishment, repeated strikes to his face. Lars was getting his face stomped out and still coming back at Cassius Ono. The man is resilient. The guy is a monster, and he was able to counter everything Cassius Ono threw at him, countering a second discus elbow and planting Ono with that freak accident, that huge side spine buster, power on display, one, two, three. This was a big win for Lars Sullivan in his first ever takeover matchup, and he... He came at Cassius Ono at the end of it, saying, you asked for it, and you got it. Cassius Ono did request this match. I'm sure he went in way over his head. I think he might be second-guessing that decision right now, Dave. 
You know, I got to say, part of me thinks that and part of me doesn't because the man, as much as he is a, a big, big member of the NXT universe, he represents us all very well. I think he went in there and I think he did a lot better than a lot of people expected him to. Uh, for one, I definitely felt Lars was definitely just going to take him out. So to see him make Lars look human, which is very, very difficult to do, I think he should be proud of himself. And I don't think he has anything to be ashamed of. A very rare sight, Lars Sullivan on the grounds. And despite all the best effort from Cassius Ono, he was not able to put away this large Leviathan. Lars Sullivan is undefeated in singles action. I'm not even going to count his tag team history of him beating up his partners match after match. The man is an undefeated solo wrecking machine. He does not need that tag team division in NXT anymore. The guy can go places. I had in episode 31 a comparison to almost a Braun Strowman of NXT. Dave, what are your thoughts on that comparison? I think that's a very accurate comparison. I'd say that he really is the Braun Strowman of NXT. I think he's got the short temper. He's got the size. He's got the strength. And as you know with Braun Strowman, he's got the agility and he's not afraid to take risks. Two big men able to combat their size almost with their ability. Lars Sullivan putting that agility on display. Agility, power, and no mercy would bring him a win over Cassius Ono. Cassius Ono, I want to talk about him. Despite the loss, he has been on a hot streak in NXT. He had a victory over Hideo Itami a few weeks back, definitely building the blocks and putting them together for a possible NXT championship opportunity. Does this knock Cassius Ono way back down to the bottom of the ladder in William Regal's eyes? Or is it possible that he's still looked upon as a top talent in NXT? I think William Regal sees heart in Cassius Ono. I think that's why he gives a lot of opportunities to a lot of guys like Johnny Gargano, who he sees heart in. I think Cassius Ono has a lot of heart. So I don't think that's going to knock him down to the back of the card. I think that that's going to, he should just refocus. He take this loss, take your, your chips where you can get them, and refocus your energies on that title. Cassius Ono needing a few other wins to put himself back together after this huge, and in my book, an upsetting defeat against Lars Sullivan. Cassius Ono has way more experience on the NXT circuit than Lars. That's why he was my pick. But Lars's undefeated streak continues here on WWE NXT and a huge first takeover victory. Yeah, what a huge victory it was. I mean, to see Cassius Ono come out swinging like that and go down, I, I genuinely didn't know who was going to win. So to see the two giant men go back and forth and then finally, you know, the brute that Lars is, Picked up Ono like he was nothing. Hit him with a freak accident. I mean, Ono's got to be 300 pounds. I mean, the man is massive. 300, if not definitely close to it. A lot of power on display by Sullivan. Lars Sullivan, you asked for it and you got it. Lars gets a win here at NXT TakeOver War Games. From the first match at NXT TakeOver War Games, we have my most anticipated matchup of the weekend. A yin and yang rivalry. These polar opposites clash. Of course, I'm talking about Aleister Black taking on the Velveteen Dream. Now, I know the title of this TakeOver was TakeOver War Games, but this one just delivered as NXT TakeOver Mind Games as far as Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black was concerned. Velveteen Dream coming out in very interesting attire this evening for sure, Dave. He posted his own face and Aleister Black's face. If he wanted the attention of Aleister Black so badly, I can't imagine him looking away and not getting the attention now. 
you know, that, that's part of the great thing about the Velveteen Dream is his garb. I think uh, a lot of what makes him so unique in the NXT universe is the sunglasses, the crazy pants, the crazy attire. I mean, who can't like this guy? He's so charismatic. He's got such a unique enigma about him that makes people just want to watch him. And whether it's in the ring or it's just him on the sideline saying, notice me, I, I notice him. I think he's a very uh, charismatic NXT superstar. The charisma is not lost on Velveteen Dream, but the this this weird light-bringing enigma that he seems to be presenting himself to Aleister Black as definitely taking a twist in this rivalry, but we were preparing for a Black Mass in Houston. Aleister Black with another amazing TakeOver entrance. Didn't get a live band like we were able to see in TakeOver Brooklyn, though, Dave, but still a very impressive, just the aura that Aleister Black brings to an arena. I think what was really great about the match is just the technicality of it. I mean, you know, back and forth between locks. I mean, the first five, ten minutes of that match, I'll dare even say 15 minutes of that match, were just holds, different holds from Alistair, different holds from Velveteen Dream. I mean... I didn't know. I didn't know who was gonna who was gonna stay on top. It was it was a really a, a power struggle, and as you said, uh, you know, mind games over war games. Establishing the dominance early was a big factor. Alistair Black with a very technical start to this matchup. Very good point, Dave. I expected, like the commentary for NXT, Alistair Black to come out swinging, to come out real hard with his kickboxing background, some Muay Thai strikes, maybe throw some elbows and hammer fists in there. But he was all about. Wearing Velveteen Dream down. Really close to the contact body connection with the headlocks and the arm locks and that really twisted octopus maneuver arm bar. I don't even know how to call that one. But Velveteen Dream was wrapped up in Aleister Black at the beginning of this one. But Dream asked for attention throughout this matchup and he seems to have got it. Even mimicking Aleister Black's patented seating position... But Aleister Black would strike right back with those mind games, imitating that, I guess, seductive sprawl, as I like to call it, that Velveteen Dream first brought out when Aleister Black directed the NXT universe. I mean, we've seen both of these body languages on display throughout this rivalry. You know, I think that that's a really good point. I think for this rivalry, I think there are some themes that kind of keep coming up. And I think one of those themes at least for Velveteen Dream, is arrogance and pride. I think a lot of the reason he he lost tonight is because of his arrogance. A lot of showboating, a lot of trying very desperately to get in the head of Aleister Black. And I think as a result, it cost him the match. I think he was way focused on that mental edge, and Aleister Black is a very difficult man to pierce his skin and really get into his mind. Aleister Black always remains focused and on the combat including huge moves, a moonsault after a big back-and-forth exchange. Velveteen Dream would hit a huge, modified, twisting DDT. There were some numerous spots in this match, a couple moves I have never seen before. Huge knees by Aleister Black. I'll talk about that DDT by Velveteen Dream. I could do 15 minutes just on that move. Fantastic back-and-forth action. A purple Rainmaker not hitting the mark, tying Velveteen Dream up in the ropes. And Dave, going back to your common themes, Velveteen Dream tied up Aleister Black in a desperate attempt to get his attention. That callback from the purple Rainmaker, Aleister Black hitting him with his boot and tying up Patrick Clark, Velveteen Dream in those ropes. I thought as much as the common themes were reoccurring, I thought that was the one that stood out most to me. Absolutely. And uh, and interestingly enough, both of these matches had two men that were seemingly inhuman in in that 
no one's ever really gotten them in a position where they almost lost. Uh, and to these two men, obviously, I'm referring to Alistair Black and Lars Sullivan from the previous match. So seeing Alistair Black in a position where I wasn't even sure that he was going to come through with the victory, I was actually pretty impressed with the Velveteen Dream tonight. Alistair Black was definitely put in his most, I'll say it like the Lars Sullivan match, almost vulnerable position that we've seen him in NXT. And Alistair Black has gone head-to-head with some really major talents in NXT. Cesar Banani, who holds a victory over Andrade Cien Almas. We had him face Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, two former Ring of Honor champions. Alistair Black's resume of victories over opponents in NXT keeps on going, and you could add Velveteen Dream to that list. Velveteen Dream barking orders, asking No, demanding that Aleister Black once again say his name. The crowd seemed to be into that too, but as soon as he was barking at Aleister Black, his face would be met with that patented spinning wheel kick known as the Black Mass. One, two, three, we see another victory for Aleister Black, and Aleister Black did say Velveteen Dream's name. It was not in the context that he expected. Enjoy infamy, Velveteen Dream, the post-match words of Aleister Black. Your take on that, Dave? You know, I thought that was uh, uh, pretty remarkable that he said it that way, and I think it's very typical of Aleister Black, that mysterious, enigmatic vibe that he gives off. I I think that, uh, you know, watching Velveteen Dream, he definitely looked a little shaken up. I think his jaw is going to be hurting for a couple days at least after that, that spinning heel kick. So A perfect, precise kick by Aleister Black, and Velveteen Dream would not get all the attention of Aleister Black because as Aleister Black was delivering this post-match statement, his eyes were focused on the entrance ramp, not giving Velveteen Dream any eye contact. So while he did say his name, he still foiled the plans of Velveteen Dream. Aleister Black, big victory for TakeOver, victorious at TakeOver Brooklyn, Aleister Black, an undefeated singles competitor as well. I don't know. I think I see Aleister Black and Lars Sullivan going head-to-head somewhere down the road, Dave. I think that would be a huge clash on NXT. I have to agree with you. I think that'd be a very interesting uh, turn of events if those two came together. I, you know, I'd love to see the brute strength versus the quickness, the technicality, and the, the quick striking of, of Aleister Black. I, I, I'd be very curious to see that matchup. Two undefeated forces in NXT singles action. Aleister Black picks up the victory over Velveteen Dream in a highly anticipated match that delivered every single minute. From two incredibly heated rivalries in the NXT universe, we move on to championship action. And it all starts with crowning a new NXT Women's Championship in a major fatal four-way. Kyrie Sane, winner of the Mae Young Classic. Peyton Royce, one half of the iconic duo. Nikki Cross, representing the faction of Sanity. And Ember Moon, the mythic warrior, looking to rise here in her home state of Texas and... Dave, I don't have many notes on this match because it was chaos from bell to bell and uh, I was way caught up in the moment. Absolutely heated display from bell to bell, beginning, coming out strong. A lot of huge maneuvers by these women, but one thing that definitely stood out to me was the action early, pouring into the outside and Ember Moon planting Nikki Cross with a huge powerbomb. Yeah, I mean, if we would take a step back further, I think we saw a lot of aggressiveness out of all four of these these women. I mean, Peyton Royce needed to be more aggressive. She didn't have her, her sidekick, as you know. I mean, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know... But- Referring to the beginning of the match, during the entrances, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce did accompany each other to the ring, but Billy Kay reaching out and almost admiringly 
saying, do this on your own or go earn it for yourself. It was something along those lines. It was really sweet and definitely threw a curveball at me because I expected Billy Kay to be quite the catalyst in this matchup. I expected her to be the source of no disqualification rule bending as much as she possibly can for her iconic life partner, Peyton Royce. I expected Billy Kay to be an X factor and the fact that that didn't come through really leveled the playing field for these ladies. I think a lot of us are wondering here in the NXT universe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I can't help but wonder if Peyton Royce is going to resent Billy Kay for that move. I can't imagine an NXT universe without the iconic duo, but it could be planting some really bad seeds for their relationship. I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, I'll get to a very important question after we're done talking about the match. Let's go to the championship action. Powerbomb by Moon outrageous Tower of Doom, a German suplex by Peyton Royce, and a major superplex happening off the top. There were some really, really hard-hitting spots in this match. Everything was breaking down. Lots of near falls, lots of near covers. Uh, I, I, My mind was all over the place, and this one caught me up in the action, which is why I watched professional wrestling in the first place. These ladies tore each other apart. Kyrie Sane definitely proving why she was the favorite in the Mae Young Classic, why she has such a strong fan base going into this NXT chapter of her career. Peyton Royce, despite the fact that Billy Kay was lacking from ringside, able to stand on her own. I thought Peyton Royce did extraordinary despite being alone in this one. I have to agree with you. Yeah, Peyton Royce definitely did a great job. And, you know, I think all of these women did a great job. I think Kyrie Sane, like you mentioned, uh, proved why she was, she deserved to be there, especially this being her debut match. I think that a lot of us were wondering how she was going to perform against such top talents like Ember, Ember Moon, Nikki Cross, Peyton Royce. Uh, and to see her come out and, and just see that raw aggression that you need in order to win these kinds of matches. Big NXT TakeOver debuts for Lars Sullivan, Kyrie Sane, she was the only one in this matchup without championship experience. Peyton Royce and Nikki Cross involved in a former Fatal 4-Way, and Ember Moon, we know from her clashes in Orlando and Brooklyn with the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka, and Ember Moon with the most championship experience. It finally paid off. After a flurry of different attacks, chaos breaking down throughout this matchup, that's definitely the opposite of what the Twitterverse was thinking because at podcast underscore UF, I was answering a lot of Peyton Royce fan tweets about this one tonight. Peyton Royce, the heavy favorite on Twitter, like Nigel McGinnis said, Peyton Royce, probably the heavy favorite all around due to Billy Kay's interference expected, but take her as a solo asset. She's still a great competitor, but I think that iconic duo being split definitely threw a mental Threw a mental, uh, a mental stick in the wheel of Peyton Royce in this one. I think it all leads back to that. Nikki Cross thriving in the chaos as expected. Um, unfortunately, just falling a tad bit short. And she fell to a huge double eclipse. And Ember Moon hitting a very impressive, not one, but a double eclipse. Peyton Royce and Nikki Cross, both by Ember Moon. I have never seen her finisher delivered that way. Peyton Royce able to roll out to the outside of the ring. Nikki Cross not as lucky. Nikki Cross would get pinned in this matchup to a lot of people's surprise. One, two, three. We now have an NXT Women's Champion. Dave, the ending of this match, unbelievable. 
Absolutely. And just to backtrack a little bit, I mean, I'm shocked Nikki Cross was even able to stay in the match. I mean, I believe it was Ember Moon or powerbombed her outside of the ring. Yep. Flat onto the ground. I, I don't even know how she stayed in the match. So so to see her get back in that fight and, and it just it, really a testament to Ember Moon, um, just that raw strength that she has and, and being able to take her opponents and, and take them one by one and fight them to their own fighting styles. And she's very adaptable, so I think she really deserved this win. The Mythic Warrior able to fight in all environments, securing that NXT Women's Championship and big post-match presentation thought to be done by William Regal, right? It makes sense. The general manager presents the new champion her title. No. Asuka. Arguably, Ember Moon's... No, not arguably. There is no doubt in my mind that Asuka was Ember Moon's most formidable opponent in her career. And Asuka, the Empress of Tomorrow, the 524-day reigning NXT Women's Champion, would present the title to the new champion, a former rival, obviously turned friend, a big embrace, and handing off the title to Ember Moon, a really emotional moment in Ember Moon's home state of Texas. And you could really see how emotional Ember Moon was. I mean, I believe it was back in Chicago. Ember Moon couldn't even compete for the Women's Championship. So there were a lot of opportunities that I, I feel as though Ember Moon probably feels like she didn't get to have. And, you know, it all comes around. It all full circle where here you see her. She finally gets to celebrate. And who knows other than Asuka to give her that. So I, I was really happy to see that. I couldn't think of a better pre- better person to present that NXT Women's Championship to the new champ. Third time was the charm for the Mythic Warrior. The fire has started in NXT for the Texas native. Ember Moon is your new NXT Women's Champion. But I do want to go back to conversation about the iconic duo here, Dave. Allie Jones, Alistair from Nottingham, England, I believe. Let me double check that. Nottingham, England. I got UK fans too. Shout out to any member of hashtag Team NXT. Allie Jones wondering... Why do you think Billy left Peyton alone in that match? Do I think that's the start of a breakup? That Peyton will blame Billy for this loss? Or is this too much worrying again about a possible iconic duo breakup? Very good question, Alistair. Thank you for tweeting at me at podcast underscore UF. I'll keep on plugging that. But a very good question. I think Billy left Peyton in order for her to establish herself as a proper champion. She didn't want any sort of loopholes or any asterisk next to her first championship in the WWE. Um, I don't think it was any sort of... I, I know she's the malevolent one in NXT, but I don't think there was any bad feeling from Billy to Peyton. I think, I think Billy just wanted her iconic partner to stand on her own. You know, I have to disagree with you, Dan. I just don't see why... Billy Kay would choose this match of any match to decide to leave Peyton Royce's side. I mean, she has been there for every single one of Peyton Royce's matches. So why in the biggest match, arguably, of her career does she decide, you know what, do this on your own? I think that there's some bad blood there, and I think we're going to see a fallout in the future. It could be a matter of jealousy between the two members of the iconic duo. We'll have to stay tuned to NXT television to establish our thoughts on that. But Peyton Royce, left alone by Billy Kay, heading into this fatal four-way, despite the no-disqualification rules, is definitely a head-scratcher and something to take away and really think about from NXT TakeOver. What do you think, Team NXT? Is there a fallout inevitable for the iconic duo? Was this Billy Kay looking out for Peyton as a single star? Or is there jealousy from Billy Kay that Peyton was featured in this matchup 
and Billy wasn't, so maybe she wanted her partner to fail. Give us your thoughts at podcast underscore UF. I'll be talking takeover this entire week. Thank you for anybody who answered the prediction polls as well. And a resounding 100% rooted for Drew McIntyre in this next matchup. I'm talking about the NXT Championship. Drew McIntyre putting his title on the line against a reinvigorated Andrade Cien Almas. Right off the bat, Dave, we got to talk about how much of a factor the lovely and brilliant Zelina Vega has been as a factor in Almas's career. Andrade has been on fire the past couple months here in NXT. You know, I think it was Nigel McGuinness that said it, and I have to agree. Vega is worth her weight in gold. She has done so much to reinvigorate Almas's career. I mean, think about where he was in the card before she came in the picture. Oh, yeah, this party boy attitude, this devil may care. Oh, I lost a match. That doesn't mean I'm not going to go out and celebrate afterwards. That mindset completely turned around with the inclusion of Zelina Vega. Zelina Vega, a factor early off in this matchup, really giving Almas a psychological edge over Drew McIntyre. McIntyre constantly needing to look over his shoulder for any interference by Vega. Vega would get physically involved in this matchup on a couple of occasions as well, and that was definitely to my surprise. What kind of small woman is going to jump at a six foot five Scotsman the size of Drew McIntyre? You know, that's a very good question, and I, I, I think it was a nice surprise to see that Zelina Vega was able to pull off, especially that short-range Hurricane Rana. That short-range Hurricane Rana, Andrade seizing the NXT Championship in a great strategy. Zelina Vega delivering a short-range Hurricane Rana. That would happen later in the matchup, but I do want to cover Andrade Cien Almas's early actions. He did display some of that tranquilo attitude, the lounging in the ropes, and I know there's a lot of people who's a fan of it. I know it brings a lot to the cockiness of his character, but McIntyre met that with a swift boot to the face. That's when I thought all things were going well for McIntyre. You know, I think that says a lot about Almas, but you know, to his cockiness, but at the same time, I think the man kept his focus for a lot of the match, and you got to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, he did some of his old showboating, but he followed right up immediately after, and he made Drew McIntyre regret kicking him in the face. That's that motivational attitude of Zelina Vega, and Almas would follow that up with a lot more serious offense, a lot of clubbing strikes. And probably the high spot in the matchup for me from Almas was that absolutely gorgeous outside moonsault, a triangular takeoff from the top rope. I thought it was an absolute spectacle heading into the timekeeper's area. Yeah, I thought his ring awareness was absolutely on point this match. I mean, you know, Drew McIntyre almost hit him with a nasty boot to the face and... and you know, he knew to get out of the way, and I think we saw Drew McIntyre say some profanity, actually, as his leg went over that top rope. Referring to the ending of the matchup later on, McIntyre would strike, attempt to strike with the Claymore. Almas able to dodge and pull the ropes down. McIntyre would get caught up, and as my friend Moro Ranala would say, McIntyre was crotched on the top rope. McIntyre delivering some very... Very vulgar profanity on the outside. I'm uh, I'm going to try and keep this a PG show and not directly quote the Scotsman. But boy, was he in pain. And that pain would come back to haunt him. McIntyre set up on the top rope by Andrade Almas. Almas delivering a high angle top rope vertical DDT. What a spike on this move. 
And just when you thought that all the near falls weren't over, just when you thought there was a little bit more fight in Drew McIntyre, next thing you know, Andrade Cien Almas scores the three count, and we have a new NXT champion, by far the biggest shock of the evening to me, Dave. I have to agree with you. I, I think everybody going into this match thought Drew McIntyre was going to win. My Twitter polls definitely said so. Yeah, and you know, I think I think another shock is that now Zelina Vega is getting physical. We've only seen little bits and pieces of her getting involved, but now moving forward, how is that going to impact him as a champion, as a defending champion? Is she going to get more involved physically? Is she going to, you know, that was only the beginning. She wasn't afraid to do a hurricane run, as you said, a six foot five Scotsman. What is she going to do to her, his future competitors? Future opponents, better watch out for Zelina Vega. Vega is getting involved physically. She is not known in WWE as an in-ring competitor, but she does have experience on the independent circuit. She has the ring ability. Will it be exposed in NXT? Does does she try and form this ultimate power couple with Andrade Cien Almas? Does she insert herself into the NXT women's division for a shot at that title. Do they walk around with both pieces of gold in NXT? That's a lot of questions for the future, but the present is Andrade Cien Almas is your new NXT champion. A brilliant strategy by Zelina Vega, obviously carrying out to perfection a big post-match celebration by Almas. But I want to direct my attention right now to Drew McIntyre, Dave. Drew McIntyre, a man who has worked on the wrestling circuit for 17 years, a first run in WWE, former Intercontinental Champion, the Chosen One, deemed by Vincent Kennedy McMahon himself, and then next thing you know, you see Drew McIntyre just kind of floating around in WWE, you see him in 3MB, which, I'm sorry to just keep hogging the conversation here, but if you chanted 3MB during the NXT Championship match tonight, how freaking dare you? That's like chanting Husky Harris at Bray Wyatt. It's incredibly disrespectful to their current character. It almost disregards the amount of work that they went in into taking themselves seriously. I did not appreciate the 3MB chants, but there was a lot of weirdness going on with this Houston crowd, I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, who and to backtrack earlier, who expected the crowd to be so excited about Velveteen Dream? I mean... To your point. I mean, a conservative Texan crowd definitely chanting for somebody as eccentric and flamboyant as Velveteen Dream definitely took me by surprise. The 3MB chants, I just, I, I didn't like them. I did like the match as a whole. The results, not what I expected. Overwhelming support for Drew McIntyre, but Almas is the new face of NXT. This power couple is at the very top of the ladder, and Zelina Vega is going to try her damnedest to keep everybody else at the bottom. I'm sure she's aware of champion's advantage going into future matches, so if she does get involved physically, Dave, it's a disqualification scenario, then Almas still walks away with his championship. Vega could be a huge factor moving forward. Well, you know what they say, behind every great man is a greater woman. And that woman is Zelina Vega. Now, this definitely throws a wrench into the predicted NXT championship scene. I saw a lot of people reading it as, okay, Andrade Cien Almas is going to be this transitional opponent for Drew McIntyre until McIntyre locks up with Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era. Where that story is going to go, that began at TakeOver Brooklyn 3, Obviously not taking shape after the results here tonight. I'm still really, really shocked we have a new champion. 
I mean, do you think it's possible that they could continue this this rivalry moving forward? I mean, do you really think this is the end for Drew McIntyre? I mean, maybe that's a question we could ask ourselves as well. I think McIntyre definitely definitely needs to take a couple couple days to recharge himself. Obviously, get that get that wicked groin injury looked at. That was a nasty landing after that Claymore attempt. McIntyre, obviously not where he thought he would be at this stage of his NXT career. He won that championship, defended it successfully for the first time against Roderick Strong, and unable to do it again against Almas to, I feel like I have to repeat this, a lot of people's surprise. McIntyre looked like a heavy favorite to continue to carry the NXT brand after proving, finally, that he can be a top guy here in WWE and now it's just ripped away from him. I think, I can't imagine what's going through Drew McIntyre's head right now. Yeah, I imagine he's feeling a little bit of heartbreak tonight, and that I understand that 100%. But I want to touch a little bit on Andrade. You know, I think Andrade has done an excellent job of coming back from where he was, and, and just to see him turn around. And, you know, just to your point, to taking a couple of days of R&R, why not Andrade as well? I mean, he did kick out of a, out of a Claymore. I mean, how many people have you seen kick out of a Claymore? I could probably count the number on one hand. That's that's including people on the independent circuit. Kicking out of big strikes from Drew McIntyre is a rarity. Almas able to withstand this entire match, able to take the beating, able to incorporate Vega as expected to his advantage, and that would crown him the new NXT champion. And he definitely got a good view from the commentary table, standing on it, hoisting that title high above his head. What is next for Drew McIntyre? Who is going to step up to the plate? Take on Andrade Cien Almas. Will McIntyre cash in his rematch clause almost immediately? There's a lot of questions in the NXT Championship scene, especially with the crowning of a new world champion. From our NXT Championship matchup, we move to the main event, the title of this NXT TakeOver. I'm talking about the War Games matchup. From the brilliant minds of the late, great, Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, came a lot of people's absolute nightmare. The huge cage, two rings, three teams, nine men, and 0% chance of either of their careers ever being the same. Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish took on Sanities, Killian Dane, Eric Young, and Alexander Wolf, the NXT Tag Team Champions, and Paul Ellering's Monsters, the Authors of Pain, Akam and Rezar would team with the always resilient Roderick Strong. This War Games matchup, while it was tweaked from the original design, we got no top of the cage. We got a little bit of modification to the rules as far as people entering it, but I did not think it took away from the matchup itself. I thought the match still flowed very well. I got a lot of the nostalgia rush from it. Uh, it still reminded me of the old golden days of WCW. I immediately thought back to the last War Games match I watched, and I'm not talking about the Ready to Rumble movie. I'm talking about in 1998 when Team NWO, Team Wolfpack, and Team WCW locked head-to-head. But I'm not talking about the past. This is the Undisputed Future podcast. So let's get into this match. Dave, absolute chaos from the beginning as expected. Eric Young would start this for Sanity. Adam Cole for the Undisputed Era, and Roderick Strong for the Authors of Pain. Were you surprised by any of these guys starting the match for their respective teams? Absolutely not. I think that there's an animosity between all three of these men. I think that they're all natural leaders. Um, you know, Roddy, Roddy Strong in his own right. I think Adam Cole undoubtedly is a leader. 
And we don't even need to talk about Eric Young. Eric Young, obviously. Eric insanity. Young, the mastermind of sanity, the merchant of mayhem, which might be my new nickname for him. Thanks, Moro, once again, for everything you do. But more specifically, that nickname. Roderick Strong, Adam Cole collided. I feel like those were the two men who locked up most commonly throughout this matchup. Some really bad blood from the two former Ring of Honor champions. And Roddy would get decimated by the early entering Undisputed Era. Dave, it was an absolute mugging in the beginning of this matchup. Yeah, you know, the crazy part to me was the fact that the match didn't even start until everybody came in. Isn't that sick? It is sick. And to see how there was so much destruction and it lasted about 20, 25 minutes and then the match started. I think that was really a telling uh, sign of how this match was going to go. And for me, this was definitely match of the night. Match of the far. night. It delivered on all fronts. I I don't see all the hate as to the new design or how the match went. There were a couple questionable things with how the teams entered, but I didn't think taking off the top of the cage really took away anything. It definitely added for some major spots in this matchup. But after Roderick Strong would get destroyed by the Undisputed Era... The Authors of Pain would come in to avenge their teammate. AOP from ring to ring, just dealing guys over the top rope. It was the strength of Akamen Razor. Doesn't surprise me. Paul Ellering, obviously with a pretty ironclad strategy going into this one. He he knew what his monsters are capable of. Yeah, and I believe at one point they even used Roddy Strong to catapult into the rest of the opponents. Roderick Strong was used as an instrument of pain by the Authors of Pain. Unbelievable suicide, forced suicide dive is what it looked like from the left ring to the right ring. That was just with AOP and Undisputed Era in this matchup. And Dave, and then came Sanity. Sanity (laughs) and Alexander Wolf bringing in the lock from the cage, which I thought was very smart. No disqualification rules. You got to use whatever's at your disposal. But Killian Dane went a little bit more in on these chaotic rules. I can't think of anything he didn't pull out from underneath the ring. Yeah, you know, I mean, he went from trash cans, chairs, and I love I love when guys do this. You know, he heard the audience shout and get the tables, and what did he do? He got the tables. As soon as Sanity entered the ring, chaos would reign on this matchup. Sanity, who thrives in chaos, Alexander Wolf with the weapons, Killian Dane. Killian Dane, man, I can't talk enough about this guy's performance. He was hero of the match to me. Literally no escape. He made sure of that. Chaining the door shut. And then, I know this is used as an expression, but he swallowed the key. That's right. The big beast of Belfast physically swallowed the key that would lock the war game's door, ensuring that nobody would get a chance to somehow forfeit this matchup. And he came in with... This certain passion that you see in guys who really want to get in there and prove themselves. And, you know, to get in there and get right in front of Makem and Razar and start swinging away and, and actually cause damage. And there were a couple of spots he had, you know, like with Kyle O'Reilly and that and that, that trash can, the, the, the coast to coast, and that, that was later in the match. I mean, there were so many spots where, like you said, Killian Dane was the hero of the match for, in a sh- lot of ways. I'm shocked when Shane McMahon does the coast to coast still to this day. That's because of his age. I thought I didn't think a guy Killian Dane's size would be able to pull something like this off, but a huge missile drop kick crashing that garbage can right in KOR's face. 
Killian Dane, unbelievable, unbelievable spots in this matchup. He took a beating. He handed one out. I don't want to spoil anything, but look look out for Killian Dane. He was a force to be reckoned with in this matchup. What else? What I, I'm having so much trouble keeping track of the chaos in this one. I remember a ring-to-ring super collider by the Arthurs of Pain. AOP definitely using both rings to their advantage, as well as that metal siding, which they were able to hit a big last chapter to Killian Dane with a diving clothesline featured on the steel. You could hear that echo throughout Houston. Oh, absolutely. And I think there were so many spots where you really didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, Adam Cole, you know, you had you had at one point he he's in the middle of the two rings and and Roddy Strong and Eric Young are both wailing on him and then the AOP guys come out, they throw him down and and he's left alone. Next thing you know, he's climbing up to the top of the, the cage and Heck, I, I was wondering if he was just going to leave and let his team stay in there and get beaten up and get them eliminated. And Adam Cole, it, it looked like a forfeiting move. It looked like he hey, was absolutely. running from his opponents, just kind of perched up in between those two rings. I thought he was going to eat a major superplex or something to that effect. But instead, Cole would scale the cage. And if you exit the cage, you forfeit the match. Adam Cole being forced back into the match in as big of a way as you possibly can. Roderick Strong also climbing the cage, delivering a another throwback, another formerly mentioned chapter in this rivalry, another big superplex like we saw this past week on NXT, taking out all the competitors in this War Games matchup. Roddy with a big superplex. You thought Adam Cole was going to get pinned. The pile of bodies, every, both referees were looking for a man to get pinned, Adam Cole just managing to kick out at two and seven eighths. Man, chaos from bell to bell. I know I, it's so hard not to use the word chaos when you're dealing with sanity, when you're dealing with just this unbelievable combustible elements with these three teams. Dave, this match delivered on all fronts. To say that is honestly an insult to the match. I mean, this potentially has match of the year written all over it, maybe even 2018. Uh, you know, I've been a wrestling fan for many years. This might even be one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. I mean, there was so much carnage. There was just so much talent. that These guys were willing to put their bodies on the line just to give the NXT universe what they wanted. Um, you know, I think a lot of the controversy surrounded Adam Cole because a lot of people were wondering, you know, coming from, from ROH, is this guy going to be worth anything? And I don't think we really saw that in the first two matches. So I think this really, really solidified Adam Cole as a top-tier talent, and we're going to see a lot from him. I definitely saw some doubt as far as early Adam Cole in NXT went. He made his big impact at TakeOver Brooklyn 3. The pop for him was huge. He's a fan favorite over at Full Sail. The crowd was definitely behind him tonight. But I have seen some skepticism about Adam Cole. When he's going to get his chance to shine like he did in Ring of Honor, a four-time Ring of Honor champion in Adam Cole, will he be able to deliver on the same scale in NXT? And I thought this match was really the coming out for him. I think Adam Cole picking up the win here was major not only for Undisputed Era, but for his NXT career. Eric Young would come at Cole with a chair, and the resilient maestro of mayhem of sanity would just fall short, eating a chair and a knee strike simultaneously by Cole, and Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era would walk out of war games. They would survive war games and just manage to be victorious in the process. Undisputed Era coming in saying how it's their 
era. It's their time in professional wrestling that they are going to run the show here on NXT. They definitely sought out a shock to the system, and they delivered it here tonight. A major victory in the first ever NXT War Games matchup, and the first War Games match in close to 20 years. A major victory for Adam Cole, as well as Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. I don't want to sell the Red Dragon short either, because I know how much attention is on Adam Cole in this faction, but Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish also impressive talents in their own right. Yeah, you know, they both absolutely took a beating. I mean, at one point, Bobby Fish, I believe he did a somersault off the off the top rope, and he landed on both knees, and you could just, you heard it. I mean, it was, it, was, it was deafening. So to see him land on his knees, he got back up, he kept fighting. Bobby Fish, I mentioned, I mean, I'm sorry, Kyle O'Reilly earlier in the match took a coast-to-coast. Garbage came from a three, a well over 300-pound man in Killian Dane. Both of them continued to fight through this match. So don't discredit the, the Red Dragon. I, I think that they're both a formidable force. Undisputed Era looking like a well-oiled tag team machine. Three great factions locking up in war games. I can't say enough about this match. There were way too many hardcore spots. I could sit here and talk a full half hour and go through every single spot of this matchup. But my best advice to you is watch it again because I know I'm going to. Undisputed Era wins war games, the first war games in close to 20 years. Victory going to them, absolutely major for their WWE and NXT careers. We'd like to see Adam Cole in the NXT title picture right away, but due to this victory by Almas, I don't know if Adam Cole steps up as the next contender. I think McIntyre cashes in his rematch clause. Who knows where the NXT championship is going, but a lot of the prestige in NXT is definitely going to Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era. I think there was a lot of prestige going there. Just thinking about the match, I'm a little surprised that Eric Young was the one who was pinned. Uh, you know, they really did a great job of building up that Ring of Honor feud and that, that grit between old brothers that seem lost now. Um, I was really surprised to see Roddy Strong turn on his ROH brothers, and, and uh, you know, I would have thought that maybe... Uh, Adam Cole would have pinned Roddy. So, you know, interesting turn of events. Undisputed Era, major victory. I'm sure the animosity between Roderick Strong and Adam Cole is definitely there. What are your thoughts? What's next for Undisputed Era? What's next for the NXT Tag Team Champions? Sanity, who's going to step up to the plate for them? And will this Roderick Strong and Authors of Pain alliance, will there still be some mutual respect there? I sure hope so, because I don't want to see Roderick Strong on the wrong end of an Authors of Pain beating. But, hey, that covers everything about NXT TakeOver War Games. I feel like I said this word about 15 times during this podcast. Dave, an absolute spectacle. I really think that's the only word to sum up this event. Yeah, an absolute spectacle. Just a mind-blowing event. I think everybody at home watching, everybody in, in Texas watching, I think there wasn't a single person in in that, that audience, um, that wasn't completely amazed. And myself, I was completely enamored by it. Definitely one of the top takeovers, despite us not being there. I think it definitely was at least the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn quality that I had been at. But hey, I'm a little biased because I wasn't sitting there in Houston live myself. That about does it here at the Undisputed Future podcast, though. DRJ, Dave, that kick-ass intro in the beginning. I cannot thank you enough for your musicianship once again. Well, thank you for having me, sir. Absolutely. Uh, Be sure to follow all the social media at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter at undisputed future podcast. All one word is the Instagram. Please find us on Facebook. I'm looking to plug a little bit more on the Facebook front. 
A special shout out to anybody rocking hashtag Team NXT. The support I've gotten this week, over 300 followers. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for liking anything. Thank you for retweeting me. Any form of social media support I get does not go unnoticed. Once again, I am CD Danny Mac here in New York City, the heart of Times Square, Threshold Studios. Shout out to my man Cole Rice doing the studio engineer work for me this evening. I'm CD Danny Mac. That's DRJ. You're about to get another dose of his musicianship. We'll see you next time. This is the Undisputed Future Podcast. <laughs>